Hey, good morning, friends. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He's risen indeed. Amen. Jacob, can I get some lights on, please? I want to see these beautiful faces, all these Easter pink lilies. Megan picked this shirt out for me. What do you guys think? You like it? Ash, did a good job? Oh, yeah. Don't, don't clap. It'll give me a big head then. Anyway, so the kids said it had, looked like it had hot dog buns on it. So they are, they, kids always have a way to bring you low. You know what I mean? Um, hey, I don't know about you, but on Easter, um, even as a pastor, Easter is, is kind of this day where historically I've tried to block out all of the things that that are painful, all the things that are sorrowful, um, all of the things that remind me that life in this world is not as it should be. I, I try to block that out on Easter and just focus on the goodness of God and the resurrection. And, I, and I'm starting to see that there's a problem with that. I'm starting to see that, that maybe that's not God's design because see what happens when we celebrate the resurrection on this side of eternity, we're always connecting two realities together. Mourning over sin and suffering and resurrection hope in Christ. There are always two very present and simultaneous realities for us. With the difference being this, that death doesn't have the last word over us. Amen? So I was reading the story of the crucifixion and resurrection this week. And I, I was, you know, just, just trying to get just reminded of, of, of the details of what happened. And there's this one place in Luke 23 where... Uh, the, 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 uh, the, the women of Jerusalem, it says, are weeping over Jesus' anticipated death. They see what's coming, and Jesus just kind of stops in his suffering. He says, hey, hold on, hold on. Don't weep over me. Weep for yourselves. Weep for yourselves. And it kind of stopped me in my tracks that Jesus would have the care and concern to rebuke these women over a false view of what life in this world would be like, even in his resurrection reality for his church. Because the reality is, is that we live in between the already, the already meaning the things that God has done, that he's promised to us, the, the justification that Megan prayed about, that we're in right standing with God right now through faith. But we live in between this other time, the not yet, the things that we long for, the, 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 the futuristic, perfected, uh, resurrected life that we long for with resurrected bodies and resurrected presence with Jesus himself where there is no death, where there is no sin, where there is no dying. But this side of Christ's return, there is so much weeping, church. There is so much mourning. There is so much heartache. There is so much pain. And in short, there is so much of what you've experienced this week this month, this year, this season of your life. And I just want to give you freedom to not feel like you've got to muscle up for Easter and block it out, all right? Because until Jesus returns, here's how we are going to experience the resurrection. Philippians chapter three, verses 10 and 11 say this. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That is the most truthful thing that I can tell you this morning about this Resurrection Sunday, that we're all going to be fighting these very hard battles until Christ himself returns to redeem us. That we're all going to seem, these are going to seem to overwhelm us, they're going to seem to take us from the God that we love, and we're going to suffer 
and we're going to mourn through these experiences. And that's how we will come to know the power of the resurrection. That's how we will come to experience what Jesus had in mind for us this side of heaven. It's through these experiences that his resurrection will become our resurrection. Now here's the deal. Everybody just exhale a little bit here. Just give me a big, there we go. You should feel some relief this morning, right? You don't have to muscle up anymore. We can hold in both of those, we can hold both of those realities fully in both hands. That we will be resurrected in Christ and we will have trouble in this world. And Jesus doesn't have a problem with either of those as we hold them. So we've been in a series of messages walking through the Sermon on the Mount, which is the longest uninterrupted teaching of Jesus that we have in the Bible. And Jesus says that to follow him, this is, he preaches this at the outset of his ministry, it requires us to surrender to his way through repentance. That means to drop our old ways of trying to find life through believing the gospel in repentance, which means this. You have to acknowledge your own inability to get to God on your own. You have to acknowledge and take personal ownership of your own sin. It's no longer somebody else's fault. It's ours. And then when we do that, it leads us to this place of surrender. It leads us to this place of desperation. It leads us to this place of hopelessness. And Jesus knew this. And that's why he says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you see Christ and you really see him as he is, it overwhelms you because you know you don't deserve him. And you feel this bankruptcy in your spirit. And this morning I wanna tell you that that is the normal feeling of the Christian who's understanding the gospel rightly. And what we see is the Beatitudes, they kinda all work together. They work together like this. I mean. There's this, there's this, on this one side, there's this repentance of heart, and on the other side, there's this repentance of the walk, okay? So Jesus says this whole Christian life is based on repentance. Uh, Matthew 4, 17 says, from that time forward, Jesus began preaching repentance, repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. So all of this is based on the disciple who's willing to live not just a one-time repentance, but a lifestyle of repentance. He says that there's this continuum that begins to exist in the life of the believer, and last week we talked about this repentance of the heart that, that leads us to this poverty of spirit. This week we're looking at this, 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 um, this feeling of mourning. And so the scriptures say, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Because Jesus knows that when we see our inadequacies and we see how desperate we are with him, that we mourn our sin. We mourn the death that we feel in this world. And it ultimately leads us kind of on this trajectory of walking out this lifestyle of repentance that we'll kind of keep walking through over, over the next several weeks. This kingdom culture is embraced internally before it's expressed externally. There's a repentance of the heart before there's a repentance of the walk. And this is a portrait of how the Lord wants to very ordinarily bring his kingdom to bear on this earth through your lives. This is what it looks like. In other words, this, the Sermon on the Mount sets up what the kingdom of heaven looks like and how it walks and how it repents. And then the rest of the stories that Jesus tells uh, in, in the Sermon on the Mount show the expression of that in real life. And now we are writing the, the, the 29th chapter of the book of Acts, aren't we? 
as the church. We are seeing this played out in real life for us. And I know what you're thinking. Pastor, can we just go one Sunday, I mean like Easter without talking about sin? Can we just do that one time? Amen. No, because the resurrection is of no benefit to you if you believe that sin has not touched your life. We're just, I mean, I look at some of my neighbors and the best they can do is the Easter bunny, guys. The best they can do is pink shirts. We got the resurrection, friends. And I want to squeeze every ounce that God has for us in the resurrection this morning. So here's our big idea. For his people, Jesus' resurrection brings life to everything that death has touched. And so if you're a note taker, i kind of got two points here. And it's really based, kind of hinges on this beatitude. The first one is this, is that embracing the blessing, we, we, we have to learn to embrace the blessing of God in our morning. And number two, we have to see, to be able to find the comfort of God in our morning. So let's look at that first point, embracing the blessing of God in our morning. And culturally, we look at Easter as this Resurrection Sunday, and we say, man, this is good news. And it is good news. But it's not good news unless we believe the bad news first, right? Unless we believe that we are forever separated by God um, because of our sin. The worst news is that death has touched and will touch every life in this room in some form or fashion. But only those that are hidden in Christ will find it to be a shadow. Only those that are hidden in Christ, it will not be the final verdict over our lives. The bad news is that many of us experience death in the subtleties of our fallen world. Whether that be through a strained friendship, whether that be uh, through an economic struggle or a wayward child, death is always haunting us as Christians. It's always seeking to devour us as Christians. And that death, whether big or small, is an echo of what eternal separation is actually like. And if we refuse to embrace this reality, friends, if we, if we, if we, if we just kind of just put on our Easter best and just kind of go through the motions, if we if refuse to embrace the reality, to be surprised by the reality, or to avoid this reality, the resurrection of Jesus will always have this stunted effect in our heart. We'll never really get all that God has for us. You see, Jesus isn't afraid to acknowledge the brokenness of this world. In fact, his entire ministry is about exposing and revealing it. The Bible isn't afraid to acknowledge the brokenness of this world. So why are we? Why are we so terrified to mourn the brokenness that we experience in this world? Why do we avoid fellowship with other believers when we realize that we're sick with sin? It's because we have this stunted view of the resurrection. Existentialist philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche once said this. He says, it's only where there are graves, there are resurrections. So only where things have died that things can be raised. It's pretty simple math, right? My first aim this morning is that we might find freedom to mourn. If grief is this internal feeling that we have because we become aware of death and sin in this world, Mourning is the outward expression of that into the world. And we enter into lament sometimes because it's this longer lasting expression of that feeling in our lives. And there's this promise that echoes throughout the pages of scripture that sorrow and pain is certain. Here's what the psalmist writes in Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted 
and he binds up their wounds. And I cling to this because being brokenhearted over the effects of sin is unavoidable. New City Church family, I need... I need to give you an update this morning. And if you're, if, if you're new here, if you're visiting, um, you need to know that this is first and foremost a family. It's, it's the family of God. And as a family, we suffer together. We struggle together. We mourn together. I have a, I have a terrible update for you. The, the, the worst Last week we prayed that the Lord would help us to locate a way. And, and he, he heard our prayer and he, um, and he answered that prayer, but not in the way that we had hoped. This past week, uh, her body was found and she's passed away. Ore is a 21-year-old 20, girl in our church that went missing about two, a little over two weeks ago, and, and we, are just, we, are just, we are just shocked, we're, we're stunned, we're, we're devastated by the reality of death in our midst. And it is an ever-present reality for us in this world. Before Tuesday, I had no idea why God wanted me to pre- preach this sermon. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But the Lord knew New City Church needed this this morning. You know, friends, you, you don't really know who your friends are or your, who your church is until so you have to lean into the resurrection through suffering together. What Paul said. New City Church and any friends here this morning, we serve a God that invites us to wail. We serve a God that invites us to grieve. We serve a God that invites us to sit in the pain because death is that bad. John Stott once said this. He says, there are such things as Christian tears and very few of us ever weep them. I want to be a part of a family and lead a church that is a family that has the courage to cry these Christian tears together. Amen? These Christian tears are the deepest tears of all because we're invited to experience the deepest sorrow together as a family. Deeper than any unbeliever would ever be willing to risk because it's not the final verdict over our lives. After all, we find ourselves in that grief, in that sorrow Not alone. In fact, Jesus is named as a man of sorrow who is acquainted with grief. That was his story. So the pain that we feel would overwhelm us if not for Jesus, who chooses to dwell with us in the pain as the comforter. That is his name, as the Holy Spirit. Is the resurrected Jesus that you came here to worship this morning and to celebrate this morning that man? Is that who he is? Or is he just the God of the good stuff? Because if he is, weep, wail, mourn. Sit in the pain. Because he is there and you are more like him when you are there. In fact, Isaiah goes on to say this in Isaiah 57. That his heart is drawn predominantly to two places in this world. Listen to this. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. Okay, that one doesn't surprise us, right? Of course you do. You're holy, God. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly, impoverished spirit 
to revive, to give life again to the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. The two places in all of creation that God is drawn to and one of them we avoid with everything inside of us. Why? Because we don't believe that God is there with us. We must learn to mourn as the people of God, as the normal expression of experiencing his resurrection this side of eternity, friends. And so my question to you is this. What is it in your life and your story this Easter that death and sin has touched and threatened in your life? Are you willing to name it? Are you willing to offer it to the Lord in prayer, to courageously and boldly come before his throne and share your pain with him? What is it that haunts the hope of the resurrection in you? What would it look like for you to mourn this morning? Because everyone mourns whether they know it or not, and only, and only few, few of those who mourn are blessed in their mourning. I want to be the one that's blessed in the morning, right? Blessed in the pain, blessed in the expression of it to our Lord. Because after all, when we receive the blessing of Jesus' presence there, we see that he is a man that is acquainted with sorrow and grief just like us. But it doesn't stop with the morning, does it? Most of the time we just kind of, we're like, okay, pastor, preach five minutes on that and 25 on the other, right? You're like, you never preach 30 minutes, whatever. Um, sorry, Dwayne. Um, but here's the thing, guys. Okay, this amazing thing happens in the life of the believer when we're faced with sorrow and mourning. That the God of all comfort meets us there and he uses our pain and translates it to comfort as we express it to him honestly. Dr. Paul Brand was a pioneering orthopedic surgeon who felt called into the mission field. And he felt called into the mission field to serve in this very specific purpose, to help treat cases of leprosy in the world. And he wrote a book about it. It's called, uh, it's called Pain, the Gift Nobody Wants. What a great book, right? Go pick it up. I want to share a few quotes from it. He says, if I had one gift that I could give to people with cases of leprosy, it would be the gift of pain. And he goes on to say in the book, he says, doctors once believed that the disease of leprosy caused ulcers on the feet and hands in the face, which eventually led to decay of limbs and flesh. He goes, but what, uh, but what Dr. Brand discovered is that 99% of the leprosy cases that he treated, that what caused the decay of the body was numbness to pain. They could no longer feel pain. If they could just feel the pain, the decay would stop, he says. And Dr. Brand went on to share this specifically about our context in the United States. And I find it so interesting. He says this, in the United States, I encountered a society that seeks to avoid pain at all costs. That's a surprise to us, right? He says, patients lived at a greater comfort level than any I had previously treated, but they seemed far less equipped to handle suffering and far more traumatized by it. Wonder why? Because we have believed a narrative that we can and should expect to avoid pain. That in fact, if we experience pain, that something is wrong with us. We have believed a false narrative about what God is, has said life is going to be like in this fallen world. And we get so surprised from it that when we experience it, we run from it, we hide it, we numb it, we do everything we can to get it as far as we can away from us. But the blessed life is the life that feels the pain of sin in this world through the lens of resurrection. 
The pain of this world is a gift to me and to you. It's not something that we have to act like we can avoid, because we can't. But if we could translate Dr. Brand's findings about leprosy and put them on a spiritual plane, here's what we would discover. When we seek to avoid pain at all costs, we become lepers of the soul. And we begin to deteriorate in our responsiveness to God's gift of resurrecting, resurrecting grace that he offers to us as we experience pain and suffering and mourning in this world. If we never mourn, we don't need to be comforted. We never need the Holy Spirit. We never need the comfort of himself. In other words, we stunt, we narrow the experience of resurrection in our souls when we circumvent the sorrow. The Apostle Paul had this passion that he wanted to kind of chase the rainbow through the rain. He understood what it was like. And I shared this first, but I want to share it again, given what else I've shared. In Philippians 3, here's what he said. He says that I want to know him. It was the burning passion of his heart and the power of his resurrection. And share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That the pain and the sorrow has much more to give us as believers than it does to take away from us. Because why? Because Jesus rose. If he stayed in the grave, we should avoid suffering at all costs. We should pretend like it doesn't exist, but because this morning we celebrate a suffering yet risen, a dying yet reigning, a humble yet conquering and compassionate king who has saved us from anything that sin and death is ever going to touch in our lives. That's who we celebrate this morning. That's who we worship. And why? Because the work of Jesus and his continued presence as the God of all comfort and the Holy Spirit to us, we have not experienced the full effects of death as awful as life in this world seems. But we've experienced the shadow of death. I love Psalm 23. You, you, can, you can almost miss it because it's so familiar. But listen to what Psalm 23 says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Isn't this beatitude an echo of what David prayed in Psalm 23? It absolutely is. We do walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't have to act like we don't. We walk through it day in and day out. And that shadow, just like a little kid afraid of the boogeyman, is scary. When your kid comes down the stairs and they said, there's a monster in my closet, you laugh it off. It's real to them. It's real to them. It makes us lose sleep. It drives us to mom and dad's bedroom. But when the light comes on, what happens? Shadow disappears. Where are the shadows of death in your life today, friend, and what are they driving you to? What would happen if the lights came on? What would happen if the light of the resurrection of Jesus could shine there? What if death wasn't final? What if there's a future that death could never touch? I'm going to close by sharing with you what your heart actually longs for this Easter. We taste it in instances as we share in fellowship with one another in this world. But we'll never finally get there until Christ returns. And Revelation 21 casts this vision for the, for the full resurrection that we long for. 
Let me read it to you. Let it wash over you. Apostle John writes this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, the one that we're in now, had passed away. Yeah. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. It will finally and fully be true. And here's the first thing he's going to do when that's established. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things of this world have finally and fully passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and they're true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. To the one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. He will be, she will be my daughter. Friends, this is your future in Christ. This is when the already becomes the not yet. This is what we long for. I want to encourage you to fully hold on to that truth and fully hold on to life in this world and see the ever-increasing manner of the resurrection comfort your soul this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Um, thank you for the gift, the gift of being known by you, the gift of being cared for by you, the gift of your presence, Father. There are many in this room um, that grief has overwhelmed, Father, that pain has inhibited, Father, that sorrow uh, has turned into lament with, Father. And Lord, you are the God of all comfort. And so, Father, we just want to declare today that, that, that what we long for is that we wouldn't be afraid to embrace the reality of life in this world and the promise of a resurrected future fully, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray as we turn to this table that the news of the resurrection would wash over us afresh. And the fact that Jesus rose from the dead would give us fresh comfort, Lord. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Pastor Ryan here. We're so glad that you've tuned in with us and watched one of our online sermons. Our vision as a church is to live as the family of God, together proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel of grace to one another in our city. If you don't have a church home or you're looking for a church, we'd invite you to attend one of our in-person worship gatherings so you can experience all that God has for us as a community of believers on mission.
Hey, Pastor Ryan here. We're so glad that you've tuned in with us and watched one of our online sermons. Our vision as a church is to live as the family of God together, proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel of grace to one another in our city. If you don't have a church home or you're looking for a church, we'd invite you to attend one of our in-person worship gatherings so you can experience all that God has for us as a community of believers on mission.